And I remember, you know, being young, like 10 and telling everyone, I want to be an ichthyologist. And adults would be like, what is that? (laughs) Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hi, hello, how's it going? It's going swimmingly here on today's episode of the Raw Safari Podcast. So, uh, yeah, this is one of those stories with a story that went poorly. This is one of those episodes with a story. There we go. That makes more sense. Uh, And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But let me get this out of the way first. Uh, Make sure you're following along, that you've hit subscribe, that you leave um, ratings and reviews on whatever pod apps you listen on, uh, that you go and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Ross Safari, on TikTok at Ross Safari Pod, and um, just, you know, generally do cool things like that. Okay, I've said the thing. Now I'm going to tell you the thing. Doing well today. Doing well today. So today my interview is with Natalie Berry, an aquarist at Sea Life Arizona. And some of you may be thinking, wait a minute, hold please. Isn't Sea Life a mall aquarium brand? While mall aquariums typically tend to have the reputation of being shady and icky, this was not the experience I had at Sea Life Arizona. Very much not that case, in fact. So Sea Life Arizona is an AZA-accredited facility with all of the uh, oversight that goes into that. And, um, and you know, I, I spent two days hanging out there, and I got to tell you, it's a great aquarium. And in the interview, we talk a little bit about some of the perks of being part of a chain, but a chain of really good, you know, zoological facilities. So, um, yeah, so if you have any biases against the idea of a mall aquarium, get them out of your head right now. I will say that there are some mall aquariums out there that are shady um but but sea life and sea life arizona in particular where this interview is nah we're good great place happy to have them on happy to be supporting them all right but that's also not actually the main story i just didn't want any of you tuning out right away because of the facility when it's actually a really good one no the story i'm going to tell you is one of cool people and um honestly you're going to hear the beginning of it in the interview i'm doing this kind of out of time but uh the whole reason this interview happened is because i put up a post saying that i was going to be in phoenix and saying that i was hoping to visit the phoenix zoo and wildlife world zoo and aquarium and uh odyssey aquarium and i i didn't mention sea life arizona and uh a, a fan named kelsey noticed that and um and mentioned that sea life also exists and that I should go check it out. And um, that led to some conversations and blah, blah, blah. You'll hear the story in the interview. But what I want to share with y'all now and what makes me so happy is that Natalie, the person that I ended up interviewing at Sea Life, and Kelsey, who is the person who recommended I go to Sea Life, um, have just become really good friends in my life since then. And I love it when this happens. You know, it's so interesting. I I do a podcast 
And every week I, I talk to somebody who has something in common with me in that we love animals and we're into biology and clearly we're here to share the message of, you know, the good work being done at zoos and aquariums and, you know, the good accredited ones and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's it's a beautiful thing. But, you know, there are different levels of relationship that come from those. There are people who, you know, I, I talk to every once in a blue moon. We keep up on social media. If something is going on, they may reach out to me or I may reach out to them. But otherwise, we're not, you know, besties. Then there are people like Danny Poirier Larson, who officiated my wedding. So we got pretty close, you know, and you just never know what's going to happen. There, there are the Colleen Adamses and Colleen Lenahan's and Danny's and Emily Begay's of the world. And then there are people where, you know, I get an email from somebody who's like, I was listening to some older episodes and I heard uh, this interview with so-and-so and it was awesome. And I have to do a quick search to remember what facility they were from and when that interview was and all of that. You know, we've put out a couple hundred episodes now and it, it adds up. So um, I just it, it, it always makes me feel so cool and feel so special when you meet someone and you instantly click with them and you just know that you're going to be friends. And that's what happened with Natalie when we first met. Um, it was instantaneous friendship at first sight. And it was so cool. And then I started talking to Kelsey uh, more. And turns out that we get along really well, too. And now I'm speaking to both of them basically daily. And it's awesome and wonderful and lovely. And I love the power of the podcast so much. And I love that it can have these big effects on the world like we talk about. Um, but I also love how it enriches my own life and, and how it can bring cool people together and then make them, you know, listen to me for a little bit. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to share that and how important this episode is to me because it was the start of not one, but two beautiful friendships. And I think that's really cool. So now you get to listen in on some of that friendship and uh, you will, you will hear it. We're, we're a little goofy in this one, but uh, it's all good. So without further ado, here is my interview with Natalie Berry of Sea Life, Arizona. All right, so why don't we start off by you telling me who you are, where we are, and what you do here. My name is Natalie. We are at Sea Life, Arizona, and I am an aquarist too here. So basically just taking care of the animals, making sure that they have the right environment, they have the right diet, we monitor their health, just everything is about the animals when you're an aquarist. Makes sense. Um, yeah, they're they're even more important than podcasters, apparently, <laughs> since you told me that I had to wait for you to finish up with animals before we could do the interview. I think that's fair. It is. It's actually very fair. I'm, I'd be I'd be concerned if you were like, oh, yeah, let me just drop the husbandry I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. But can we start off by you actually kind of sharing um, how we got here, like with this podcast happening? Because this was not like a scheduled planned thing. <laughs> and, and I just want to give a little shout out. And yeah. So. Yeah, sure. So... Our senior, Kelsey, she is actually doing an interim in Thailand right now, and she is a very big fan of your podcast. Yay. And she saw that you posted that you were coming to Phoenix, and you tagged almost every zoo and aquarium except for us <laughs> in your Whoops. post. Um, so she just made a comment, and she was like, hey, we're here too. We would love to talk to you. And um, she tagged me in there too, like maybe I would be interested in talking to you. And I was like, yes, of course. Why not? Um, so then we reached out and got together, 
Uh, you came to the aquarium and visited and saw how amazing it is. Amazing. <laughs> and decided to come do an interview. Yeah. So first of all, I want to say thank you to Kelsey. Thank you. <laughs> um, but also, I just I, this is the kind of thing that I love to share, you know, with fans when I get the opportunity to, which is like, yeah, so that happened. And Kelsey was like, hey, come. And I was like, okay, cool. And so she tagged Natalie and and I came here. And, um, Natalie was just awesome and, and gave me this big tour. And this was like, we didn't have an interview scheduled or anything. This was just people being cool and sharing what they do. And it was awesome. And, and you'll hear about some of what happened throughout the interview. Um, but, and then we just kind of became buds. And so then Natalie and her husband came to see my show. Yeah. And now here we are doing an interview. And I just, I love that for all of the bad that social media can do and the internet can do sometimes, like authentic connections can be created like that through just like, you know, if Kelsey hadn't reached out, none of this would have happened. And my entire week in Arizona would have been very different. <laughs> You've now factored into three days of what is a six day trip. You know, yeah. I got to meet your husband and he was awesome. And this has all been very cool. And so just thank you, Kelsey. But yeah, I just, I just love how interconnected this mm -hmm. world is. You know, I think it's really cool. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, it, the longer you're in it, the smaller and smaller it gets. Yeah. I'm really finding it does. It. Well, and even, even you know, somebody who I know from also who's mm -hmm. a fan of the podcast, who's at a different facility out here and you guys are friends and it's, yeah. it, the whole thing's just, it's all very weird and strange and wonderful. <laughs> I kind of love it. Um, but yeah, so awesome. Let's talk about how you got started. So, like, when you were a kid, were mm -hmm. you into animals? What, what's your story? Yeah, so I'm originally from Dallas. Um, there are no oceans surrounding Dallas. Wait, what? Yeah, no. yeah, if you didn't know. <laughs> Very landlocked. Um, and when I was eight years old, uh, my mom let me watch a movie called Jaws. Heard of it? Yeah, Um so I had a very different reaction to Jaws than most people. You know, most people are very scared of sharks after that. For some reason, I was like, sharks are amazing, and I want to know everything there is to know about them. So after seeing Jaws, I think it was when I was in fifth grade, I got assigned a book report, and we went to the library and just picked any autobiography we wanted to do a report about. And I picked one called The Shark Lady. Not knowing who it was about or what it was about, I was just like, this has shark in the title. I'm getting it. <laughs> um, so it was actually about a ichthyologist named Eugenie Clark, um, who is just an amazing woman, just pioneered shark research and even brought to light that sharks can be trained. Like, you know, they're not just eating machines. You know, they have cognitive abilities. And she did a bunch of studies on that. So after I did that report, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be this lady. And I remember, you know, being young, like 10 and telling everyone, I want to be an ichthyologist. And adults would be like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of where it all started. Um, and then I stayed in the Dallas area to go to college. So after college, I was like, I need to get to the ocean because ocean is where sharks are. I had no career plan. No idea what I wanted to do. I was just like, get me in the ocean. Um, so after college, I moved to San Diego to do a dive master internship. Um, so I got my dive master certification out there, and I was scuba diving every single day, which nice. I know it was amazing. But So let's pause there for a second. Yeah. What What is dive master? It sounds like a, a competitive TV show. <laughs> it does kind of. <laughs> um, so dive master is the first professional level of diving. So basically what I did is I kind of watched the students for the instructor. Um, so, you know, we would have students in groups of six to eight 
And if an instructor is working with one student, I would be there to help another. When we would take them to the ocean, the instructor would always be in the front. And then I would kind of be in the back, kind of rounding up the group because, you know, it's the ocean. It's kind of easy to get lost in there. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of had to watch the students. And it was really cool because I got to learn about, like, the ecology of San Diego and, you know, the Pacific Ocean and you know, the longer I was there, the more I learned about all the sea animals and everything. And I could teach students about it. And it was super fun. Unfortunately, California is very expensive to live in. Yes. So when my internship was up, I moved back to Dallas and I found that Rainforest Cafe in Grapevine was hiring a diver. And I... <laughs> <laughs> I made a face, y'all. I just didn't realize that, uh, that you know, Rainforest Cafe would need a diver. But I guess they do have like tanks and stuff, don't they? They do, yeah. yeah. Okay. So okay. the one in Grapevine, Texas, um, it was all tropical fish, oh, a okay. whole saltwater system. Nice. And I was like you know, right now in this moment in my life, this is my dream job and I want to do this. Um, So I applied and got the job. Uh, There's not many divers in Dallas, Texas, so (laughs) I didn't really have that much competition. But uh, when I started there, I kind of learned a lot about fish husbandry. Um, The curator that I worked under there was amazing. She taught me so much and she kind of got me into like that fish husbandry world, like all the science and everything that goes into it. Um, So I was like, you know what? I'm kind of good at this. Maybe this could be a career for me. So six months into that, I decided to move to Maine. Um, There is ocean there. So I guess that that makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah. They have a they have an aquarium there called the Maine State Aquarium. Um, It's right on the harbor. And I just reached out and I was like, hey, I see you guys have an intern program, but do you hire any full time staff? And, you know, they called me and interviewed me and they were like, we would love to bring you on as a full time aquarist. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on my way. Like That's awesome. Yeah, like Good I will be you. there. Thank you. Um, so the way Maine works is everything is seasonal, mm. um, including the aquarium. It is a flow-through system from the harbor. So they're open for six months out of the year. Um, and a lot of the animals that we showcased were directly from the harbor. So at the end of the season, they just went back into the ocean. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's huh. definitely different. Very, very different. Because, um, I mean, they weren't in the aquarium long enough to really get imprinted by us. So when we put them back, like, they were fine. Right. Um, there were some animals that we had that maybe came from other aquariums. Uh, and so during the winter, they stayed in what's called a wet lab. And they just stayed in there in the winter. There's one full-time person that stays through the winter that lives in Maine. But... It was really cool. I got to learn a lot about Atlantic species and work with a bunch of lobsters, which is more fun than it sounds. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) It was a, it was great experience. So, um, at the end of that season, um, I saw snow and got really scared and moved back to Dallas because I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, and when I got back to Dallas, the children's aquarium at fair park was hiring. Um, this is when they were under the Dallas zoo. Okay. Yeah, so I got a job as an aquarist there um, and moved from aquarist to senior aquarist. I was there for about four years. Um, and I I mean, I got so much experience there with so many different species, um, so much life support system. Like aquarists were also plumbers. <laughs> you know, it's it's a good skill to have as an aquarist. So Fair. I, yeah, yeah. So I got to learn all of that stuff. Yeah, so let right. me interrupt for a second, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have been there. Love oh, it. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been everywhere. I, seriously, <laughs> that's what it feels like. But um, let me ask you this. When, when were you there? 
Yeah, um, I was there from 2017 to 2021. So, like, we were there at the same time. That's hilarious. Yeah, I was, that's I was crazy. there checking out your animals. That's a, it's a cool little place. Like, yeah. it's not huge, but I really mm. like it. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and it's really old. It was built in 1936, and even my my great uncle was telling me that he has memories of going there as a child. So I'm really glad that it's still open and, you know, further generations can enjoy it because it's really good, especially for children. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Very cool. But yeah, so go on with your story. Yeah. So um, then my husband got a great job here in Phoenix. Pause. I know this about you. It's a meet cute. Come on. (laughs) Let's hear the story. Okay, so me and my husband actually met in Dallas. He was the reptile supervisor at the Dallas Zoo. So the reptile department and the aquarium department were sister departments. So we ran into each other a lot um, and I guess bonded over our love of animals. And yeah, it's super cute. Yeah, <laughs> I love that your husband was your sister. I mean, in your sister's whoa. department. Sorry. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> No, I just, I love that y'all just like met and worked together Mm -hmm. and and that's really cool. But I love asking this question whenever I find out that there are, you know, animal people that work together. Um, And your husband, you know, like you said, he he got to Phoenix. We'll talk about all of that. But, um, you know, there's this thing of like compassion fatigue and like Mm -hmm. bad days because of animals. And and how do you find it um, works for y'all to balance your home lives? with like the fact that you're both in this industry and you may have things that have mm-hmm. to do with that. And especially like when you were, you know, in different departments, but in the same place. How did yeah. that work for y'all? Um, so I'm not going to lie. We do spend a lot of time talking about work. <laughs> we do still have like that separation of like, you know, home life and work life, but we're both so passionate about what we do. And I love being with someone who can teach me more about animals that I didn't know. Like, he could tell me everything there is to know about reptiles and I will sit there and listen because I think it is so interesting and, you know, vice versa. If he has a question about, you know, a marine animal, I'm right there to answer it. And he loves learning too. So it is a really nice relationship. And of course we have a lot of animals at home too. I mean, of you have course. to. Come yes. on. <laughs> so I think it works well for us. It is a good balance for us specifically. And I mean, in our free time, we love to go hiking and herping, and I'm trying to get him into scuba diving, and it's it's pretty much like everything that I could imagine for myself in a relationship. Sweet. He also <laughs> has a really rocking beard. I'm just saying. Can you even scuba dive with one of those? How does that? How We're going to find out. We're going to find out. <laughs> I love it. So, okay. So your husband gets this amazing job in the Phoenix area, and mm-hmm. you're talking about how Dallas is landlocked, but this is an actual (laughs) desert. I know, I know. And, you know, it's funny because for reptile people, moving to Arizona is the dream, you know? And so when he got this job, I was like, we have to go. And, you know, I'm tired of Texas scenery. Everything's flat. I want to see mountains. So I was like, let's go. I was like, there's, I'm looking up, I'm like, there's two aquariums. I can find a job there. It's fine. Let's just go. So, you know, we packed up everything and I ended up getting a job at Odyssey as a diver, which is great. Super fun. I got to revisit all of my diving skills, which I hadn't done in four years. So that was awesome. And I met some amazing people. You know, there's amazing biologists, amazing aquarists, amazing divers that work there. And I'm so grateful for that experience. Oh, yeah. Odyssey's awesome. They were mm-hmm. on the last time I was out yeah. here. I couldn't reconnect with their PR person this time. She was, like, on break. But, like, yeah, no, great, great <laughs> yeah. facility. Yeah. Great facility. Um, but when an aquarist position popped up here at Sea Life, 
um, I decided to apply for it. When I originally worked at Rainforest, Rainforest was actually across from the Sea Life and Grapevine, and their curator and senior helped me out so much working for Rainforest. I just kind of got to like love the Sea Life brand. So I was like, you know what? I I really want to try this. I want to go for Sea Life. Um, and luckily they hired me. <laughs> so that was really, really cool. And I've been working here for about a year now. Awesome. And, you know, you mentioned Sea Life. And um, there may be people listening who are a little surprised to, to hear me having Sea Life on <laughs> because it's an aquarium in a mall. And that can't be good, right? And that's trouble. No, no, no. So y'all are AZA accredited here. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, we are. And, um... You know, just as somebody who has been all throughout here now with you, like, this is a great facility. Thank you. Everything here is top notch. Y'all are very well educated. You all are very passionate. I feel like, I feel like you introduced me to everyone here is, <laughs> yeah. is what it felt like from the curator on down. And, um, yeah, I, I'm wildly impressed, but this is a fully accredited, wonderful facility. You can do that in a mall. Yes, you can. You know, and actually, truthfully, like, unless you build a new aquarium, a lot of times places that have enough room, like, I mean, you know, you need a big building that was, mm-hmm. it's going to be a warehouse or an aquarium or I mean a mall or something before that, you know? So yeah. like, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. There's definitely the building space and malls. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> to have an aquarium. No doubt. And um, so I'm curious, what effect do you think being in a mall has on this aquarium? So I think that we get a lot of visitors that wouldn't normally come to an aquarium Um, I do see a lot of people in here with shopping bags, you know, like they just went shopping and I'm sure, you know, their kids were like, mom, an aquarium. And they pulled them in, which is great. And which is why we love focusing on messaging because it's people that wouldn't normally want to go seek out information about the ocean. But, you know, when we drag them in and we, I, I know you saw them outside the playground, the two exhibits that we have out there. Um, those really do work to bring in kids and bring in just random guests that wouldn't normally be here. So when they are here, say they have they had no interest in the ocean before, our aim is to have them leave as, you know, like ocean activists, you know, like, oh, we saw all these amazing animals. Let me, you know, research more about it. Let me learn more about it. And hopefully they'll want to save the oceans. <laughs> and you y'all do a lot to facilitate that. You talked about messaging being so important. Um, and, you know, I actually, I have this trend where most facilities that I go to, I end up um, talking to the PR person or talking mm-hmm. to, you know, whoever I'm interviewing or whatever, saying something along the lines of, now that I've learned all the cool conservation work y'all do, I love that. And I'm glad that I'm sharing it on my podcast here. Mm-hmm. But um, it would be kind of cool if y'all shared that a little bit more. You yeah. know, yeah. here I feel like, half or more of your signage is devoted to that. Mm-hmm. And even there's like a little game where you can, um, quote, meet the sea turtles. You don't actually get to meet them, but um, you get like passport stamps and stuff, right? Is how that works. Yeah. And it's all about learning their stories and understanding how you can release turtles from here or how, you know, you work to save mm-hmm. turtles that are unreleasable and then give them great homes and stuff. So like, yeah, I think that's very important. The, the messaging here is on point. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, we just, well, our DSO just built an awesome sea turtle hatching display. Um, yes. That's right at the very end. So we're all about the messaging. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's very cool. And I think that's very different than what people think of when they think of a mall aquarium. Like oh, just yeah. in terminology, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And does it does it help that Sea Life is like a brand? 
Yes, it actually helps a lot. So there are 49, fact check me on that. There are 49 sea lives in the United States. It's time for Interrupting. 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 Interrupting John. Okay, so Natalie asked for a fact check on this uh, statement that there are 49 sea life aquariums in the United States. And she was she was so close, you guys. There are 10. There are 10, not 49, um, in the United States. I think what she was referencing is that there are 46 in the world, and they are all interconnected, as you heard uh, earlier. Kelsey is currently out in Thailand doing a thing there through Sea Life. So the point that she's about to make still stands. But I was just dying because when she said there were 49 in the country, I remember thinking, you know, I've been in every state except for Alaska and Hawaii, most of them multiple times. And I look for this stuff and I only know about a few and, and it, it, it was 10. So, so she was, she was close question mark. No, she wasn't. And, um, I know this is a really snarky interrupting John, but, um, look, Natalie and I are friends, so I get to pick on her. All I'm saying is that if Kelsey had been available for the interview, I bet she would have known the right number. Anyway, back to the interview. And so we just have so much support I've never worked somewhere where I have felt this much support before. And with that comes so much or so many opportunities. So in April, I got to go to Kansas City because their sea life was a little short staffed. So I got to go there and help them out and see their facility. And we were just bouncing ideas off of each other. You know, the more people you meet, the more your knowledge base grows and the more that you can do with that. And then our DSO got to go to San Antonio and work with the San Antonio Sea Life for a week. And then, like I mentioned before, our senior is in Thailand right now. She's doing an interim in Thailand, which I know that she's going to come back with so many great ideas and so much knowledge that she can share with us. So having that tight-knit community, it's just amazing. So amazing. That is very <laughs> cool. I love that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never thought of the idea of like a business model. Yeah. You know, for like zoos and aquariums beyond like individual stuff. But that's that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I dig it. Awesome. So let's stop teasing everybody and talk about what's really important, which is some of the animals. <laughs> yes. Um, and since you are a shark nerd, yeah. let's start off by talking about some of the sharks you take care of. Yeah. So we have a few species of sharks here. For our benthic sharks, we have bamboo sharks and epaulette sharks. Um, our epaulette sharks actually do breed. So when you come see the aquarium, you can see some little babies. Uh, we have them in our tide pools. So they're super cute. They are really cute, y'all. <laughs> they are really cute. Yeah. And, and Natalie got slightly excited when showing them to you. Just slightly. <laughs> just slightly. I can't help it. I can't help it. Um, and then our other juveniles we have, we have two black tip juvenile reef yes. sharks um, that are in our Bay of Rays. And it's it's really funny because the way that the acrylic bows out on Bay of Rays makes everything look huge. So kids will come by and they'll be like, those sharks are so big. And I'm like, wait till you see the ones in our ocean exhibit because that's where we have like our full grown ones. Um, and then we also have two juvenile white tips in our Bay of Rays as well. And then when you get to our big ocean exhibit, we have the adult black tip reef sharks, adult white tip reef sharks, and our zebra shark Mochi, who she is Mochi something else. Talk but... about Mochi. <laughs> she's a, she's a sweet shark. She's uh, we're... I love that sentence so much. By the way, <laughs> just a sweet shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is. Um, 
And we do, we target train all of our animals. She's one of the ones that um, we have to work with most for target training. But she, I mean, zebra sharks in general and human care are pretty easy to train and they're really fun to work with. Um, And I know when I watch guests like in our tunnel, they'll always point out Mochi and they'll be like, look at that big shark. So she's really, I feel like she's kind of a trademark here. Nice, nice. Yeah. So are zebra sharks black with white stripes or white with black stripes? Oh, no, wait, that's actual zebras. <laughs> Never mind. No, guys, you should have seen the face. There was confusion uh, for a second. <laughs> I was afraid I would have to answer that truthfully and say, I don't know. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, no, that's, that's very cool. And then, you know, you mentioned that everything here is target trained. Mm-hmm. Would you say that the animals here have a good recall? <laughs> John. <laughs> I'm so throwing you under the bus right now. Um, I'm going to say usually <laughs> they do. So why are we laughing right now? <sighs> okay, okay. Let me just start off by saying this was the single most embarrassing moment in my career. <laughs> I am so grateful to have been a part of that. <laughs> so you were here. You went on a tour. And I was like, yeah. And, you know, no, this was... Three, three in the afternoon, yeah. four in the afternoon. Um, so I know from listening to your podcast that you loved sea turtles and Ziva, our green sea turtle, we use her for behind the scenes tours. So much personality. Like I've never worked with a sea turtle with this much personality. She is amazing. Um, so in my head, I'm like, I can't wait for him to meet Ziva. He's going to freak out. He's going to love it. So, you know, we do a tour over the whole aquarium. Um, you get to see everything. And then when we get to the site for Ziva. But, but hold on a second. Hold on. It wasn't okay. just in your head. You told me about a dozen times where literally you're like, oh, yeah. And this is, you know, this is our jellies exhibit. Wait till you meet Ziva. Oh, my God. She's the most personable sea turtle you will ever meet. She is so well trained. You're going to love her so much. She loves humans so much. You talked this turtle up. Like you were trying to set me up on a date with her, okay? Like, oh, this I was did. hilarious. So then we go up. Yeah. So we go up there and, okay, usually when we take behind-the-scenes tours up there, Ziva sees us and she she's right there. You know, she loves people. Um, and so we go up there and Ziva is nowhere to be found. <laughs> nowhere to be found. And I'm just like trying to bide my time like okay where is ziva oh here's our cow nose race here's our sharks let me tell you about this like where is ziva Um, she literally disappeared like she went down the walkway a bit and frantically gets on her radio and suddenly like three more people showed up okay we had a team i was thinking that somehow a sea turtle had escaped and was just wandering through the mall trying to find some popcorn or something <laughs> yeah, I did. I had to call in reinforcements. And it's funny because I called one of my coworkers and I'm like, hey, I need you to help me find Ziva. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, I, she's like, I never thought I would hear that sentence ever. And I'm like, I know, I know. So, you know, we're looking everywhere and it, it turns out, you know, 3 p.m. is Ziva's nap time. Which is fair because <laughs> it's also my guitarist Luke's nap time. Okay, so I could okay. actually relate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so she was actually, um, she was sleeping in her little hidey spot, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try her recall. Um, We have a recall for her to go into our med pool, um, which is banging on our guard railing three times with a PVC, which when you're underwater, like, you can hear that. Um, She did not. She did not hear it. She did not care about it. She did not come up for it, and I was just like, 
Oh my gosh, I just talked up this turtle and he's not even going to get to meet her. How dare I? <laughs> uh, and it it didn't happen. We 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 left. We had to we abandon did. ship. We did. Now, I will say, you know, first of all, I will say all joking aside, this is a really important story because it shows that animals have choice and control. Even though you talked up Ziva like <laughs> it was going to be the best experience of my life, there was no forcing. There was no, she you tried the recall once. You mm-hmm. didn't keep doing it. You weren't yelling at her. You, you know, weren't going to not feed her. She had the choice and the control of her own life to stay asleep and mm-hmm. ignore you <laughs> and make you look bad and probably laugh about it. Um, and, and have, have me judging you silently. Um, but, uh, no, but I, I do think all joking aside, it was really important to see that. And I love seeing that mm-hmm. it would have bothered me so much. And I know you wouldn't do this, but like in an alternate world, some yeah. other person being like, I'm getting that damn turtle up here. No, no, no. That's not what good facilities do. And it really did make my heart happy to see that. Oh, good. It made my heart happier when then later we saw that she was swimming <laughs> yeah. as we went through the aquarium and you ran me back up even though you were off the clock and, yeah. and actually let me meet you. That was incredible. Yeah. But I honestly, it made me feel so good to see that even though, you know, all joking aside, you did. You talked it up. I could tell that you were embarrassed. And I told you not to be, <laughs> but whatever. But even in that moment, you never considered any drastic measures to make her uncomfortable to satisfy my curiosity. Right. And that, I mean, I know that sounds obvious to you and it should sound obvious to my listeners, but like there's a whole world of anti-captivity people out there who would not get that and who would not believe that. And I just, I think it's really important and it, it makes me feel, I already felt great about the facility, but it made me feel <laughs> even better to see that kind of thing. Yeah, you know? good. And I mean, a lot of people don't know with sea turtles being federally regulated animals, there's a lot of things that we have to make sure that we have for them, um, such as places where they can hide from the public. Every sea turtle has to have that. So Ziva definitely has that. She passed that with flying colors, obviously, (laughs) because we could not find her for a long time. (laughs) But yeah, talk about, talk about Ziva a little bit more other than the fact that she's personable, but like what kind of turtle is she? How old is she? What's her story? Yeah. So Ziva is a green sea turtle. Um, She's pretty big. She's about 150 pounds. So a very big turtle. She actually suffered a boat strike. Um, It was either off the coast of Florida, Georgia area. I don't remember which one specifically, but she suffered a collapsed lung and she does have what is called bubble butt, which is air that's trapped under her carapace or shell. So she cannot hold her breath as long as green sea turtles should, um, which is about eight hours. So Ziva, we're not exactly sure what her time limit is, but She definitely can't hold her breath as long as she would need to out in the ocean. Um, Also, with her bubble butt, it does kind of give her some buoyancy issues. Um, It's not as prevalent as some sea turtles that you would see. I didn't know that you – or I didn't know that she had it. I didn't know that you had it. Whatever. I didn't know that (laughs) she – I don't have it. it. You don't have bubble butt. (laughs) She has bubble butt. And I didn't know that she did until you told me. And I honestly Mm -hmm. remember I looked down because we were right above her at the time. And I was like – there was that second of like (laughs) – no, she doesn't. And then I was like, shut up, John. Trust the expert. But like, you literally can't see it at all, which is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can definitely see where her injury is. Yeah. And uh, we do point it out to guests when we have behind the scenes tours, um, just to reiterate the fact that she cannot be released. And these are the reasons why. And, you know, she has buoyancy issues sometimes, and she can write herself, which is really good. And I've only seen it a handful of times. But when that happens, it is really apparent that she would not be able to make it if she was released into the ocean. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, now she has this awesome forever home, and yeah. it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> And she's not the only sea turtle here. No, she's not. And, and you actually have a very rare sea turtle here, which got me very excited. <laughs> you were very excited. I thought you were going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of felt like it. So so, so talk to me about, about that whole thing, and, and tell them what we did, too, because I just think the whole story is so cute. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have an Olive Ridley named Donna. So Donna's story is she was rescued off of Humboldt County, California. Um, She was found cold stunned and emaciated. So basically she swam into waters that were too cold for her and her body wasn't able to function because reptiles are cold blooded. Um, So she couldn't eat and she got very emaciated. Um, And I think it was just good Samaritans that rescued her and took her to the Marine Mammal Center. So what the Marine Mammal Center did was they just kind of got her to a healthy weight but they didn't have the means to rehab her fully because mammal center. (laughs) Donna is not a mammal. (laughs) So then she went to a sea turtle rehabilitation center in San Diego where she was actually meant to be a releasable turtle. Um, On the outside, she looked fine, but then they noticed that she had what's called osteomyelitis, which is a bone infection. Um, And she had to have surgery on her front two flippers to remove some, like, calcium buildup on her bones, I believe. Um, And after that, it was apparent to them that she had to be deemed unreleasable. Um, And if you come here now, you can see that she doesn't really move her right flipper. Our vet has compared it to arthritis almost. Okay. um, To us. So... He told us that she is going to have flare-ups sometimes, and we definitely saw that when she got here, um, that she does have flare-ups and everything. But we got her over Memorial Day weekend, and we opened our Sea Turtle Rescue Reef, which is amazing. Our tech department did an incredible job building it, and then our marketing department did an incredible job promoting it for people to come see her. And and it's just a really awesome exhibit where kids can just get face to face with Donna. I mean, there is a viewing panel, you know, just right there and kids can even sit right there and like look at Donna super close. Yeah. <clears throat> kids can do that. No one else would do that and make a fool of themselves. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But being an Olive Ridley, I mean, luckily we have contacts at um, Aquarium of the Pacific because they are one of the only other aquariums that have Olive Ridley's. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the only place I've ever seen Olive Ridley's. I think I only <laughs> saw one there because one really likes to hide, if I'm yeah. remembering correctly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was <laughs> a lot. Yeah. That was, that was a lot. Olive Ridley's are, are just not something you're going to see mm-hmm. at most aquariums. Which, I mean, it's been a great experience, and I'm not going to lie. It is. It was one of the most challenging experiences for me personally, um, trying to get her acclimated to being in human care. Because like I said before that, she was supposed to be released. And mm-hmm. there's special ways to take care of sea turtles that are going to be released to where you don't imprint on them as humans. So she kind of came here with just no human interaction. Um, so it was it was basically two months of us just seeing what would work. So, you know, I think every single one of the aquarists here tried some kind of strategy to feed her (laughs) to see what would work and we're all just making different types of enrichment like do you like this donna do you want this like does this please you it's (laughs) 
it was it was a journey. And then I remember after I think it was after like a month and a half, maybe two months of having her. Um, I was in there just cleaning. I was scrubbing the walls and she was being like unusually chill with me in there. And I mean, she's she doesn't mind me being in there. Um, sea turtles do get aggressive and they, you can obviously tell when they don't want you in their space. And she has never done that to any of us. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to see if maybe she likes tactile, you know, with the scrub brush. And I went over there and she loved it. It was the first like real interaction that she let me have with her. And I was just freaking out. I like called the aquarist on the radio. I was like, you guys have to come see this. (laughs) Dawn is loving it. And you know, when you were here, she was taking a nap, which she does very often. If you guys visit here, Donna is most likely taking a nap. That's she loves it. It's what she does. Um, so I was like, you know, I, if I go in there and give her tactile, she's going to wake up because she loves it. So, I could tell that you were mesmerized by this Olive Ridley. (laughs) So I donned my waders and I got in there and like you saw, I started scrubbing her with the scrub brush and she, you know, wakes up and she comes alive. She got so excited. (laughs) Like the body language was, she was, she was basically wagging her tail like a dog. I mean, that's not how turtles work, but she was doing the turtle equivalent of Mm -hmm. that. And it was ridiculously cute. Yeah, she loves it. And then. Starting with that, I could kind of transition to target training her because, you know, the main goal is to have Donna be able to be in our ocean exhibit, but you can't, you know, just throw a turtle in there, (laughs) (laughs) which is like, I love that we built Sea Turtle Rescue Reef because it allows the guests to kind of go through that whole process with us. And we try to make it a point to feed Donna when we're open just so we can make those talking points to guests and guests can watch her eat and everything. So that's a really cool thing about sea turtle rescue reef as well. No, it is. That is, that is very mm-hmm. cool. And yeah, having that stuff open to the public, I think is, is wildly important. Yeah. You know, yeah, definitely. Cool. And Donna is Donna something else. <laughs> She's uh, beautiful. Cool. Yeah. That was very cool to see and see a relationship. And, um, and then afterwards she went back and took a nap. She did. She did. Very she went right back in her napping spot, which for all of Ridley's is completely normal. Um, they are deep sea turtles and they love resting on the bottom. Mm-hmm. So that's what she's going to do most of the time is rest on the bottom. But I try to get in there. Um, I get in there once every day just so guests can see the interaction and I can give guests the whole story. We do have a video that plays um, that can kind of tell you Donna's whole story. But I like being able to answer a guest's individual questions because they might have a question that the video doesn't answer. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's very cool. I also try to get in there once a day, but security <laughs> keeps catching me in. But it we hasn't keep happened kicking yet. Them but out. I'm, I'm going to try one of these days. <laughs> They'll be very happy when I fly out of here yeah. tomorrow. But, <laughs> no, but um, so and then so those are the two sea turtles mm-hmm. that that are here. But um, y'all have done some like rescue, take care of, and release turtle stuff as well, right? So Sea Life as a company has um, Sea Life Arizona. We have not, but Sea Life Grapevine in Texas, they get so many rescue sea turtles. So, you know, those winter storms just happened. Um, and I, I have a really good friend that works at Sea Life Grapevine. We actually work together um, at the Children's Aquarium, but they told me that they got dozens of Kemp Ridley's from oh that were cold stunned. So yeah. Sea Life Grapevine does so much work to rehab sea turtles, and they're the ones that are going to rehab and release. Um, and we do have 
a turtle named Pancake story here about Pancake's story of being rehabbed and released. So when guests come here, they can see that story as well. That's awesome. That's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, the cold stunning thing has been weird this year. D- turtles have been nesting in places they haven't nested in a long time in Texas, mm-hmm. but also not like doing it effectively. I've been following a bunch of different stories from my Zoo News episodes about this. And it's like, mm-hmm. seems like a lot of Texas turtles are a little drunk right now. <laughs> Don't know what's going on, but uh, I'm glad there are great facilities like Sea Life down there to yeah. to help out with the weird stuff that is happening right now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you have a fish here that (laughs) – yes, we have one fish here, John. Thank you. Yeah, We have a few fish here. All right. Well, and thank you for doing this interview. This was great. Yeah. Now, um, you have a fish here that's a a bit of a vampire and that you're very proud of. So tell us that story. Yeah, so we have a red-toothed triggerfish um, that hangs out in our tunnel, which is a 360 view of our ocean exhibit. And this fish will follow you in the tunnel. And I love walking past that and see children just like playing with this fish because this fish will follow you. And even when we dive in there, he will follow us in there when we dive. Um, It might be a territorial thing. I don't know. Maybe he really likes us, but it's most likely territorial. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he's so funny. And I mean, honestly, good enrichment for him. If we have guests that want to play with him through the acrylic, um, just super interactive fish. Yeah, no, and and just a very interesting looking one as well. Like oh, yeah. very unique. If y'all don't know the type of fish we're talking about, uh, go ahead and Google it because this is an audio <laughs> podcast. But um, yeah, but uh, very very cool to see like personalities like that coming out in animals and, and stuff. Yeah, you know? and I mean we have a few fish that have some personalities. We have an exhibit that has some file fish in it that will follow you through the acrylic as well. That's a that's another favorite of our guests that I could tell of them just like following the file fish. And we also have a puffer fish that will follow you yes, yes. <laughs> on the acrylic as well. And the, the aquarium is also very focused on tactile experiences. <laughs> um, so, so talk about that and why you think that's like effective and is that okay for the animals and all of that stuff? Yeah. So our aquarium, it is centered towards children. So the way that our exhibits are set up is they're all open top. They found that kids really like that and that really resonates with kids. And our acrylic usually goes all the way to the floor. So kids can just walk right up and see straight into the exhibit, which is great. And then we have three touch pools, our tide pools that have our baby epaulette sharks. We have chocolate chip sea stars, urchins, different tide pool species like that that kids can come touch. Um and we actually have three different ones and we rotate them to give the animals rest. So as long as the children listen to our educators and do the touch pulls the correct way, it's not stressful for our animals. That being said, if we do see any signs of stress, we put that animal on no touch. So our educators are awesome and they pay so much attention to each individual animal and the tide pools um, that we we rarely have to worry about them getting stressed because our educators are on it and we'll close it if they need to. That's awesome. I love that. Um, and uh, what's your favorite uh, tide pool animal? 
The baby epaulette sharks. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think mine was little shrimp. Talk about the little shrimp thing. That was yeah. so cool. Yeah, we have some shrimp in there that will actually, they're like cleaner shrimp and they'll clean your hands if you put your hands in there. Very cool. <laughs> I Very know, cool experience. Uh, you got a little manicure. I did. It was lovely. It was <laughs> lovely. Me and my, my calloused drummer hands, or <laughs> yeah. I guess as you put it, spoon player hands. Um, you do play the spoons very well. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, so she comes and sees the show. And I, I walk out and she goes, oh my God, you killed it on the, and like, this is like a hardcore rockabilly show. I destroy the drums. I'm playing so hard and so fast. And she finishes the sentence by going spoons. And honestly, I'm very proud of my spoons playing, so I'll take it. But also that one even threw me. I've, I've heard a lot of compliments on my spoons playing, but never, you killed it on the spoon. I've never seen anyone do that before. I appreciated the enthusiasm <laughs> and I'm actually really proud of it. So I'll Good. take it. But you should be. That was a really like record scratch moment. I was just like, well, okay, I'll take it. But yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I'm just wondering, do you have a single favorite individual here? I promise you the animals won't listen. They <laughs> won't know. It's okay. That's, that's really hard because we do have so many great animals here. Obviously, I have an attachment to Donna because I'm with her most of the time. <laughs> Um, I also do love our cow nose rays and our Bay of Rays. We have a ray named Freddie. His name's Freddie Mercury. Yes, I love that. <laughs> we also love puns here. And he's just a great ray. He's target trained really well. So I also feel an attachment to him. And then obviously also Ziva. Like, how can you not with all the personality that she has? So much personality. Yeah, yeah. So and then cool. Mochi too. I mean... I would list every animal here, so I'll stop at Mochi. <laughs> I, I will say, I will say that the the initial tour was you, you were very excited. Yeah. You were bubbly and bouncing from exhibit to exhibit and pointing out things, and I love that because, like, you know, I could understand that after many years of a thing, even if it's an awesome thing, mm -hmm. getting a little burnout, getting a little bored. But I know that's something that I maintain, mm -hmm. um, both with all of the podcast stuff the last couple of years, meeting cool animals, but also drumming. I mean, I've been touring the country for close to a decade now, wow. and I'm not like I'm. I'm still like I'm like this is my life, you know. <laughs> and I was playing with Sea Lions <laughs> two days ago, and playing two shows yesterday, and here today, and Sea Turtle the day before. The, the it's it's all insane. It's mm -hmm. all insane. And I think the ability to hold on to that is really important. I think passion mm -hmm. is like the most important thing. And it draws me to people. I, mm -hmm. if I talk to somebody, podcast or not, who's not passionate, I check out like real fast. Yeah. 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 Know? And it helps that, I mean, we have a great support network here. We have a great team. We have a great curator. Our senior is awesome. And I found that that helps a lot when it comes to, you know, uh, compassion fatigue and stuff like that. Cause you know, we can always go to our senior or our curator with anything and they will talk it out with us, try to make it better. We can go to each other with anything. Um, like I said, sea life is just one big community here. So that really, really helps and keeps our passion alive. <laughs> Good. I love that. Are there any other animals that you want to talk about? <gasps> Let me think. I'm going to go through the whole aquarium. So alphabetically, we yeah, have. Yeah, <laughs> right? Seriously. So we have four moray eels here. We have three tessellated morays and one green moray eel. 
Our green moray eel is named Pesto, and he, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he's in our Bay of Rays exhibit, and the acrylic bows out, so it makes everything look really big. So Pesto is mostly in his pot, but when he does come out, he looks monstrous and. Man, he he catches everyone's attention because everyone's like, look at that huge eel. And, you know, when I see him, I'm like, holy crap, that's a huge eel. And so it was due for, you know, their physicals, which is where we like weigh them and measure them and make sure that they're in good health. And so we get in there and we weigh him and we have this net. And I remember us being like, he's not going to fit in this net. No way. He's so big. And so he's out and we catch him and he just curls up in the net. And I'm like, that's it? (laughs) I thought he was so much bigger than this. And we were all just so taken back by how much bigger Pesto looked because of the acrylic. That's so funny. It was hilarious. (laughs) And Pesto's blind, right? He is, yeah. How how does he function? How does all of that work? Yeah, so a lot of fish and eels have a lot of other senses that they use, particularly smell. Um, that they can use to find their food. So he functions pretty well. Um, Like any eels, eels have very slow metabolisms. So they only need to eat about once a week, if that. Um, Pesto takes it to the extreme (laughs) and only eats about once a month. Oh, my goodness. But it's perfectly normal for an eel to do that. Right. So, And you know when he wants to eat because he'll stick his head out. And when you put that piece of food in there, he will get it instantly. And when he doesn't want to eat, he just kind of like turns his head and goes back into his pot. And we're like, (laughs) okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's really funny. I guess – you know, I come to this from an outsider's perspective, but I've been in it long enough where like sometimes I, I know a lot and then sometimes things catch me off guard and I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, and I I just never thought of, I mean, this is so dumb and so obvious, I think, but like smelling in water, like, because <laughs> I always think of smelling like, you know, I'm a human. Right. And so like smell is in the air. If I go in the water, <laughs> I can't smell anything because I'm inhaling water and drowning, which is yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, That's really cool. Like, I, I you know, cause I know they have other, but the idea of like, Smelling in water is just such a foreign concept to me, but I guess animals can do that. They can. They can. And they're very good at it, too. Very good at it. <laughs> That's really cool. I learned something. I actually learned a lot today, but I learned that. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, awesome. Then uh, is there any conservation organization that you would like to give a shout out to? Yeah. So we here work um, with Sea Turtle Safe. Safe is saving animals from extinction. And there's a bunch of different species. Um, here we focus on sea turtles. And so part of that is we partnered with the International Dark Skies Association, which is based in Tucson. And it is all about educating the public on light pollution. And they focus on sea turtles, but, you know, every animal needs light and day. You know, even us as humans, we need light and day. And the International Dark Sky Association really touches on that. And then they tell people what they can do to help with light pollution. You know, just what they can do in their own lives to help with light pollution. So it's a really cool nonprofit and it's really cool that they are based in Arizona. Yeah, I that's think it's awesome. Cool. <laughs> I like that. That's very cool. Yeah. And then it is time. <gasps> it's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Rossifari poop story. <laughs> okay. So it's not poop, but it's pee. We'll take it. Okay. Okay. So uh, 
this was when I first started at the Children's Aquarium under the Dallas Zoo. And I took my stepsister to the zoo and the reptile supervisor, who is now my husband, (laughs) was giving us a behind the scenes tour which was really cool. And we get to this part where they have these tiny little tortoises. I don't even remember what species it was, but, you know, he pulls it out and he's like, oh, these are our tortoises. And I'm just dying. I'm like, this tortoise is so cute. And I was like, can I hold it? He was like, yeah, sure. So he hands me the tortoise and I'm like, you know, coddling it. And I'm like, this is the cutest thing ever. And he goes, sometimes they pee. And at that very moment, (laughs) this tortoise pees all over my hand, all over my shirt. And I look at him and I said, did you train it to do that? And he was just like laughing. He was like, no, and takes it back. And I was like, great. Now I have to spend the rest of my time at the zoo with tortoise pee all over my shirt. (laughs) Were you guys, were you guys dating at this point? We were not, we were not. And he settled for you anyway after that. Wow. (laughs) Hey, he's the lucky one. I mean, I think you're both very lucky. You both are quite wonderful. (laughs) Oh, thank you. But yeah, no, that's a great story though. That's awesome. Yeah, I I don't even know if he'll remember it. I'll have to see if he remembers that <laughs> happening. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's going to remember that. <laughs> Just, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. No, thank you. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time to just kind of bring sea life to light. Um, I know that being in a mall, sometimes we can be under the radar, but I really love that people are able to hear what we do here and our conservation initiatives and everything like that. Absolutely. So there you have it, folks. An awesome look at Sea Life Arizona and uh, the cool things going on there. I just, ah, I don't know. I just had such a great time there. This was one of those facilities that really made me feel welcome. Uh, I mentioned in the intro that, you know, Natalie and I have become friends and, and Kelsey and I as well. But like literally everyone at the aquarium wanted to meet me and chat with me and just were just so welcoming and so cool. And um, I love facilities that are like that. You know, I really do. I also find it interesting that um, as of the recording of this, it is an all female team at Sea Life Arizona. Arizona. And um, we, you know, have talked a lot uh, just in our daily conversations about how uplifting that team is and how much they look out for each other and how much you get to avoid, you know, some of the standard tropes of sexism and stuff like that in the industry. As a matter of fact, uh, we recorded some bonus audio for uh, my patrons, and um, we talk about that and also the fact that uh, Natalie is a model and a cosplayer as well as an aquarist. And so we talked about sexism in STEM and also like what it's like when she's doing a photo shoot and, you know, some idiot person is trying to be flirtatious and is like, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I'm a biologist. Um, it's it's pretty great. So uh, if you're interested in hearing that and other bonus audio from other episodes of the Raw Safari podcast, you can uh, do so by going to patreon.com slash Raw Safari and uh, signing up to be a patron for as little as $3 a month. And if you sign up to become a Red Panda level patron, which is our highest level, then you'll also get to hear me say your name at the end of every episode. It'll sound something like this. I'd like to say thanks to my Red Panda-level patrons, Laura Shank and Kristen Dickey. 
See, that's that's how that works. So yeah, uh, I hope y'all enjoyed this one. I'm looking forward to coming back later this week with uh, Zoo News. And uh, until then, friends, remember, the word credits backwards is Steiderk. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.